Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic in the Moon podcast. And as always, I'm your host, David. And this week is the final installment of our GED series, at least for the time being. I might pick it up with a different pantheon at some point in the future, but it will definitely be the last um, DD-focused episode for the foreseeable future. I feel like um, I have spent more than enough time uh, covering different gods and goddesses, and while that's definitely a topic I enjoy, um, I would just like to be able to move on to other things. I'm sure all of you would like to hear me talk about something different as well, and I would like to move on to different topics more directly related to witchcraft, because even though deities certainly play an important role in that, there is certainly more to the craft as well that is not just about uh, discussing different theological figures. So hope you guys have enjoyed this with me. I've definitely enjoyed making it, but I'm also excited to talk about different things. So for our last installment in the Greek Olympian series specifically, I'm going to be talking about Sky Daddy himself, Zeus, king of the gods, god of the sky, lightning, thunder, and the leader of the Olympians. So Zeus is really interesting to me because his role is so vast and culturally there is a Zeus-like figure in several different cultures that developed independently. So it's really interesting to look at the history and the, uh, the mythology of Zeus and see how he compares to different um, gods of other traditions that have similar qualities to him. So this is, I'm excited to do this episode. So for those that may not know, um, Zeus is the sky and thunder god in the Greek religion who rules king of the gods in Mount Olympus. And his name um, is cognate with the first element of his Roman equivalent, which is Jupiter. And his mythology and powers are not quite identical, but they are similar to various other Indo-European deities like Jupiter, Perkinus, Perun, Indra, and Thor. Um, so Zeus, um, like many of the Olympians, is the child of the Titans Kronos and Rhea, and he's the youngest of the siblings to be born, but sometimes is considered to be the eldest because um, they were all swallowed by their father Cronus, and he was the first to emerge um, out of that. So by most accounts, he is married to Hera, and he is said to have fathered with her Ares, Hebe, and Hephaestus. And at the Oracle of Dodona, his consort was said to be Dione, by whom the Iliad states that he fathered Aphrodite. Although that version of Aphrodite's origin is kind of in conflict with many other versions of that origin story, but there's a whole episode about that if you're interested in Aphrodite's story. Anyway, uh, Zeus was famous, or infamous perhaps, for his extramarital affairs because he would um, be unfaithful to Hera with other goddesses, with mortal women, with kind of a lot of things. Um, but uh, he is the, he's the father of many important Greek mythological figures, including Athena, Apollo, Artemis, Hermes, Persephone, Dionysus, Perseus, and the Muses, to name a few. Zeus is respected as an all-father who is the chief of the gods, and he assigned the roles to the others. Even the gods who are not his natural children address him as father, and all the gods rise in his presence. He was equated with many other foreign weather gods, which is why Pausanias said that Zeus is king in heaven is a saying common to all men. And that's a topic I'm going to explore as we get deeper into this, his connection to other deities. But Zeus's symbols are the thunderbolt, the eagle, the bull, and the oak tree. 
as an addition to his Indo-European inheritance, the classical cloud gatherer. He also derives certain iconographic traits from the cultures of the ancient Near East, such as the scepter. And Zeus is most often depicted by Greek artists in one of two poses, standing, striding forward with a thunderbolt leveled raised in his right hand, or simply seated in majesty. So let's talk about Zeus's name because the etymology of the name Zeus can actually give us a really unique insight into his origins and his influence. So Zeus's name comes from the word Zeus, um, right? But that itself comes from Dios. And um, for those of us that are familiar with Latin languages such as uh, Spanish, French, Portuguese, um, Dios is a version of the word for God in many of those languages. Um, so Zeus is the Greek continuation of the word Zeus, D-J-E-U-S, which is the name of Proto-Indo-European God of the daytime sky, also called Sky Father. And the God is known under this name in the Vedic texts, similar to the Latin equivalent of Jupiter and deriving from the root du, which means to shine, referring to heaven sky divinity and zeus is the only deity in the olympic pantheon whose name has such an obvious um indo-european etymology the early tested forms of his greek name come from mycenaean greek and uh plato in his work kratilis gives a folk etymology of zeus's name which means cause of life always to all things and because of puns and different alternate titles of zeus within Greek words, um, the etymology with Plato's method of etymologies is not really supported by scholarship, um, but it is just kind of an interesting um, footnote to look at. Diodorus Siculus wrote that Zeus was also called Zen because the humans believed that he was the cause of life, while Lactanius wrote that he was called Zeus and Zen, not because he's the giver of life, but because he was the first who lived of the children of Kronos and Rhea. Let's talk about the mythology because Zeus has a very interesting mythology. So the Titan Cronus, he sired several children by Rhea, which were Hestia, Demeter, Hera, Hades, and Poseidon, but swallowed them all as soon as they were born because he had learned from the earth goddess Gaia and the sky god Uranus that he was destined to be overthrown by his son as he had overthrown his own father. So he wanted to avoid that. He didn't want to be... Um, usurped by his son the way that he had done to his father before him. So he swallowed his children to avoid any of them fulfilling the prophecy of his demise. So when Zeus is about to be born, Rhea sought Gaia to devise a plan to save him so that Cronus would get his retribution for his acts against Uranus and his own children. So Rhea gave birth to Zeus in secret in Crete, and she gave Cronus a rock wrapped in swaddling clothes to trick him into thinking it was Zeus. So Cronus fell for it, and ate the rock. How you confuse a rock for a baby, I don't know, but it's a myth, so we won't think too hard about that. So infancy, there's some different versions of the story that exist. And according to Hyginus, Zeus was raised by a nymph named Almathia. And since Cronus ruled over the earth, the heavens and the sea, she hid him by hanging him on a rope from a tree so that he was in between the earth, the sea and the sky, and therefore invisible to his father. A different version of the story, according to Apollodorus, Zeus was raised by a goat named Almathia in a cave called Decteon Antron, and a company of soldiers called Corotes danced, shouted, and clashed their weapons against their shields 
so that Kronos wouldn't be able to hear the baby crying. After reaching manhood, Zeus forced Cronus to disgorge the first stone, to throw it up basically, which was set down at Pytho, and it was a sign of mortal men. And then all of Zeus's other siblings, in reverse order of their swallowing, kind of got thrown up um, out of him. Um, Metis, uh, who was a titan goddess of wisdom, she gave Cronus, um, she gave him basically some, some kind of syrup to induce vomiting, and then all of the other children came out. And then uh, Zeus cut Cronus's stomach open and released all of his siblings. So as a token of their appreciation for being freed from Cronus, the Cyclops gave Zeus thunder and lightning, which had previously been hidden by Gaia as well. So together, Zeus and his siblings with the Cyclops overthrew Cronus and the other Titans in a combat called the Titanomachy. And this is a key essential part to Greek mythology. The Titans were defeated and they were cast into the shadowy part of the underworld known as Tartarus, except for Atlas, who directly fought against Zeus and he was punished as having to hold up the sky. So after the battle with the Titans, Zeus shared the world with his brothers Poseidon and Hades by drawing lots. Zeus received the sky and the air, Poseidon the water, and Hades the world of the dead. In the ancient earth, Gaia could not be claimed and she was left to all three, each according to their capabilities, which explains why Poseidon is the god of earthquakes as well, and why Hades claims those who have died because they're buried in the ground. Gaia resented the way that Zeus had treated the Titans because they were also her children. So soon after taking the throne as king of the gods, Zeus had to fight some of Gaia's other children, the monsters Typhon and Echidna, and he vanquished Typhon and trapped him under a mountain that left Echidna and her children alive. When Zeus was atop Mount Olympus, he was appalled by the human sacrifice and the other signs of human decadence. So he decided to destroy all of mankind and flooded the world with the help of his brother Poseidon. And many scholars of religious studies, uh, including myself, would say that this is likely the inspiration for the biblical story of the flood of Noah. Because even though many cultures have some version of a flood story such as this, um, the biblical account in particular is much more recent than the other stories because the Bible heavily borrowed from other cultures and its material is not the most um, original, at least from a historical perspective. So they decide to wipe out mankind because they're so wicked. They flood the earth. And after the flood, only Deucalion and Para remained. And this flood narrative, again, is common throughout the mythology of many different cultures. So throughout history, Zeus has been depicted as using violence to get his way. As a god of the sky, he has the power to hurl lightning bolts as a weapon. And since lightning, obviously, is very destructive sometimes, um, it's a very bold sign when Zeus would strike with lightning because it's known that he's angry. So um, this was used by the ancients to kind of describe the natural phenomena of the weather, right? And this is not me saying you can't believe in Zeus as a literal figure because people certainly can and do. Um, this is just to say that obviously the understanding of, of people in antiquity of weather and atmospheric phenomenon is not the same as ours, but they would see something struck by lightning, be that a person, a tree, a house, whatever, and they would see that as a direct sign of the anger of Zeus. So as always, I will refer to the Iliad, Homer's epic poem describing the Trojan War, because Zeus plays a major part. Um, Zeus sends Agamemnon a dream, 
and is able to partially control his decisions because of the effects of the dream. And Zeus promises his wife Hera that he will ultimately destroy the city of Troy at the end of the war. Zeus and his brother Poseidon ruin the Achaean's fortress. Zeus prohibits the other gods from fighting each other and has to return to Mount Ida where he can think over his decision, knowing that the Greeks will likely lose the war. Um, Zeus is seduced by his wife Hera and becomes distracted while she disobeys him to assist the Greeks in the conflict. And Zeus wakes up and realizes that his own brother Poseidon has also been aiding the Greeks while sending Hector and Apollo to help fight the Trojans to ensure that the city of Troy will fall. So Zeus is upset that he couldn't save Saperdon's life because it would contradict his previous decisions because he wanted to keep his word. And he lets the other gods lend their aid to their respective sides of the war. And then he demands that Achilles will release the corpse of Hector to be buried honorably. Um, that's obviously a very condensed version of that story, but the, the Iliad is a very dense work. There's a lot going into it. That's just a little highlight of uh, some of the parts where Zeus had a prominent role in the events. So let's talk about family. Zeus was the brother and husband of Hera because they were doing that. Um, Hera, uh, by Hera, Zeus sired Ares, god of war, Hephaestus, the god of the forge, as well as Hebe, who was the goddess of youth. Um, though some accounts say that Hera may have produced these children on her own, but that's up for debate. Um, some also include Aletheia, Eris, Enyo, and Angelos as their daughters. And in the section of the Iliad known to scholars as the Deception of Zeus, the two of them are described as having begun their sexual relationship without their parents knowing about it. Um, who knows? The conquest of Zeus among nymphs and the mythic mortal progenitors of Hellenic dynasties are also very famous. Um, the Olympian mythography even credits him with unions with um, many other goddesses, including the Titan goddesses, Leto, Themis, Urone, and Emesini, as well as uh, his other sister Demeter, by which we have Persephone. So other relationships with some immortal figures include Dione and Maya, with Dione um, possibly being the mother of Aphrodite and Maya being the mother of Hermes. He also was with mortal women, including Smili, by which he fathered Dionysus, as well as Io, Europa, and Leda, and with the young Ganymede, um, who was actually a man because the majority of the Greek deities are depicted as being um, bisexual. So um, obviously he has many, many different children and consorts and offspring, and I'm not gonna discuss all of them here, but some of the more uh, important, well-known ones. Um, by some accounts, he is said to have fathered Hecate by subbing with Asteria, Titan goddess of the stars, Although this is kind of not a widely accepted theory because Hecate's origins are usually said to be that she is daughter of Asteria and the Titan goddess of darkness. Um, the inclusion of Zeus being her father is kind of a later addition and not widely agreed upon. But um, with sister Demeter, he is said to have fathered Persephone. And then with Persephone, he is said to have fathered Dionysus. Um, one account of the origin of Aphrodite is that she is the daughter of Zeus and Dione, who is the Titan goddess of oracles. Some more important um, figures as well is obviously Ares, the god of war, and Hephaestus, the god of the forge, both of which he had with Hera. With the Titan goddess of childbirth, Leto, he had Apollo and Artemis. With the nymph Maya, he had Hermes. And with the nymph Metis, he had Athena. 
And with the goddess of memory, Nemesini, he had the muses, as well as um, other figures. With Persephone, he had Dionysus. And with the moon goddess, Selene, um, he had Ursa, Nemea, and Pandia. So let's talk about some of Zeus's roles and his epithets. So Zeus played a dominant role presiding over the entire pantheon of the Olympians. He fathered many of the heroes and featured in many local cults and myths. And he is known as a cloud collector. He was a god of the sky and thunder like his near Eastern counterparts. And he was the supreme cultural artifact in some senses. And he is said to be the embodiment of the entire Greek belief and was the archetypal Greek deity. So aside from some local epithets that simply described him as doing something random at a specific place, most epithets or titles applied to Zeus emphasize different aspects of his authority, which was very much wide ranging. He was called Agutikos, which means the bearer of the Aegis, the divine shield bearing the head of Medusa. Um, he was called Agorius, which means the patron of the marketplace because he was said to punish people that conducted trade dishonestly. He was called the atoning one. He was called the keeper of oaths because he was said to expose liars. And that's why people often swore on the name of Zeus because he would punish them if they broke their vow. He was called Olympios, meaning the king of the gods. And he also was the patron of the Olympic games. He was called Zeus Panhelios, meaning Zeus of all the Greeks. He was also called Xenios, meaning the patron of hospitality because he was said to preside over the hospitality of travelers and guests, and he would punish those that taught that uh, treated strangers poorly. And he was also called the giver of freedom. Some other names that weren't quite as widespread, um, but they still had associated with him was the averter of ills, the dispeller of flies, the bringer of lightning, the thunderer, and many, many, many others that we don't have time to go through all of them today. So let's talk about the actual cults of Zeus. So the major center where all Greeks converged to pay honor to Zeus was at Olympia. And their quadrennial festival featured the famous Olympic games. And there was also an altar to Zeus made of ash from the accumulated remains of many centuries worth of animal sacrifices. They would build an altar on the ashes of the burnt sacrifices of animals that had been sacrificed for hundreds of years. That's really beautiful. Outside the major sanctuaries, there were no modes of worshiping Zeus precisely shared across the entire Greek world. And most of the titles listed below, for instance, could be found at any number of Greek temples from Asia Minor to Sicily. Um, certain modes of ritual were held in common, like sacrificing a white colored animal over a raised altar, but obviously the Greek influence was widespread and the method of worshiping a specific deity did certainly vary. Um, from place to place. So as Zeus Volcanos, he was worshiped uh, at Crete, which is also said to be his birthplace. And he was revered in Minoan culture, which contributed significantly to the Greek religion as a whole. Um, he was called Zeus Lekelos, and this is in connection with the festival of Lycaea, which means Wolf Mountain, and it was the tallest peak in ancient Arcadia. So he had also uh, some non-Greek cults because in addition to the Panhellenic, the, uh, Panhellenic titles that I listed previously, um, some local cults kind of maintained their own idiosyncratic ideas about the king of the gods. 
So there are oracles of Zeus because most oracles were dedicated to Apollo because one of his titles is the god of prophecy. But um, it's more so, it, it was uncommon for a oracle to be dedicated to Zeus or to be dedicated to anyone other than Apollo, but it did happen uh, on rare occasions. So the cult of Zeus at Dodona there's evidence of religious activity from the second millennium BCE onward, centered on a sacred oak tree, which of course is still associated with Zeus today. So when the Odyssey was composed, which is about 750 BCE, divination was done there by barefoot priests who would lay on the ground and observe the rustling of leaves and branches. And by the time Herodotus wrote about the Oracle of Dodona, there were female priestesses that had replaced the male priests. And this particular site, it's interesting because it kind of conflicts with the more widely accepted mythology of Zeus, because by almost every other account that we have record of, Zeus's wife is his sister, Hera. But at Dodona, his consort was instead said to be the goddess Dione, whose name herself is a feminine form of the word Zeus. And Dione was the titan goddess of oracles and by this account, she is said to also be the mother of Aphrodite. There's also the Oracle of Ammon at Siwa in the Western desert of Egypt. And it didn't really lie within the bounds of the Greek world until Alexander um, acquired Egypt, but it had a large presence in the collective mind of the Greeks, even in the archaic era. And Zeus was specifically mentioned in this place as being favored by Sparta where a temple to him existed by the time of the Peloponnesian War. And after Alexander made a trek into the desert to consult the oracle there, this figure arose and became popular. So let's talk about Zeus and foreign gods, because Zeus, of course, was identified with his Roman counterpart, Jupiter, and associated in the syncretic classical imagination with various other deities, including the Egyptian god Ammon, the Etruscan god Tinea, and he, along with his son Dionysus, absorbed the role of the chief Phrygian goddess Sabazios in the syncretic deity in Rome known as Sabazius. The Seleucid ruler Antiochus IV Epiphanes erected a statue of Zeus in the Judean temple at Jerusalem, and Hellenistic Jews referred to this as Baal Shaman, which means Lord of Heaven. Zeus is occasionally conflated with the sun god Helios, which is sometimes said to be the eye of Zeus, or is implied to be. Um, Hesiod, for example, described Zeus's eye as basically being the sun. Um, but this perception may have been derived from an earlier Proto-Indo-European religion in which the sun is said to be the eye of God. Um, and the Cretan Zeus Telios had also some solar elements to his cult as well, but um, that was not a wide formed, uh, a wide accepted form of Zeus, really. So in Neoplatonism philosophy, uh, a Neoplatonistic philosophic thought, excuse me, that's a lot of long words, um, Zeus's relation to other gods from mythology is taught as the demiurge, the divine mind. And through that kind of line of thinking, Zeus is linked with figures from many, many different cultures. Um, Zeus is mentioned in the biblical New Testament twice, first in the book of Acts, when the people living in Lystra saw the apostle Paul heal a sick man and they considered Paul and his traveling partner Barnabas to be gods, identifying Paul with Hermes and Barnabas with Zeus. And they even tried to offer them some sacrifices. And two ancient inscriptions discovered in 1909, Lystra testified to the worship of those gods in that city. 
One of the inscriptions says the priest of Zeus and the other mentions Hermes the most great. The second mention of them is also in the book of Acts a few chapters later. And the name of the ship in which the prisoner Paul is set sail from the island of Malta bore the figurehead of the sons of Zeus, which were Castor and Pollux. And the deuterocanonical book of 2 Maccabees in chapter 6 talks about King Antiochus IV, who in his attempt to extinguish the Jewish religion, he said the temple at Jerusalem should be dedicated to Zeus. And we know from history that it was at one point. There's also references to Zeus in different Gnostic literature. So Pistis Sophia, which was a Gnostic text discovered in 1773 and possibly written between the third and fourth centuries CE, alludes to Zeus. And he appears there as one of the five grand rulers gathered together by a divine figure named Yu. And that's kind of all we really know about that. So this has been a lot of information. Um, and it's really interesting that Zeus's link to other non-Greek deities is so transparent and so wide-ranging, more so than most of the other gods and goddesses that we've discussed. But I hope you found this insightful. I hope that you learned some new things about Zeus maybe you didn't know before. And I hope that you have enjoyed this uh, series on deities, because I am going to be taking a break for it uh, from a while, for a while. So that's all I have for you guys this time. I will see you next week, and we're going to be talking about some other non-Greek god witchy stuff. I will see you next time.